0: For The Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And at long last, we return to the airwaves to bring you our review of the 11th episode of the second season of This Is Us. This one was called Fifth Wheel.
1: This was a pretty easy title, eh?
0: Well, they even say it in the show. Yeah, uh, I always felt like a fifth wheel or whatever it is. Yeah,
1: that. it was pretty straightforward. Fifth wheel equals Kevin. Yes. Well, so should we? We should say that we've been gone for some time. It's been over the holiday break, so I feel like a lot of people had time to digest the big three episodes that they had, and there was a lot of anticipation going into what were they going to reveal right away coming back off of this this long break. I feel like uh, for our own daily selves, we had a long break, as probably all of our listeners have as well. And uh, I had a little, a little procedure done <laughs> that includes a little bandage on my face here and it uh, includes some painkillers too. So I'm going to just like throw out there that if I say anything totally off the wall, blaming the painkillers, Paul.
0: Okay. And
1: in addition, I have these really adorable tiny buns on the top of my head that Paul can't stop staring at.
0: They help her look like a teddy bear,
1: <laughs>
0: so it's it's uh they're just
1: to keep my hair away from any bandage, right,
0: and you know aesthetically, there's a bear like quality not <laughs> not like a zoo bear or black bear, brown bear, that kind of thing. I mean like a teddy bear.
1: what was your Mario Kart nonsense? You kept yelling at me,
0: yeah, or like Mario wearing the bear suit from Super Mario Brothers Three for. For those that remember.
1: I don't even think it was a bear suit, Paul, because couldn't it, well, it flop its tail? It and was I called
0: could... the Tanuki suit, but it looks more like a bear suit.
1: Maybe I'm a little Tanuki. <laughs> Maybe. I'm a little Tanuki tonight.
0: Yeah, you do. Tanuki
1: tonight. That sounds hilarious. <laughs> Ah, okay. Painkillers, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Okay, so let's get into our episode. As all of our listeners know and our faithful watchers of This Is Us, we always get a good flashback segment as well as present day. So we're going to start by collecting up all the flashbacks that they had sprinkled throughout the episode and clump them all together and sort of get what we can out of them, glean what information we're supposed to get. We started off with this one with Randall getting glasses.
0: This episode had a few problems for me. And one of them is with the flashback uh, segments. Because as we were talking about how this show is built, we came up with that the main bunch of talking that happened during the uh, flashbacks all had to do with Kate... And her weight and her eating and Rebecca's thoughts on that and Jack's weakness toward that, which is a conversation that we've heard before in the show.
1: Yeah, I wrote in my notes like tired because especially it's there wasn't anything revealing about that conversation. I mean, it was essentially the same conversation that we've had Rebecca saying, my role is to be the bad guy. Your role is to be the good guy. Please don't take her for sweets. Jack takes her for sweets. Rebecca gets mad. Like, I mean, wah, wah, wah. You know, we get it. They're in a pattern for sure.
0: And the, you know, the way this uh, show works is that the flashback episodes usually come in and shed new light or support the modern day timeline. I think we were supposed to feel something about what kevin brings up in his his therapy session with his family and i mean i don't want to jump ahead here but by the end of it i still feel pretty ambiguously that he has any ground to stand on that he was shat on as a kid
1: yeah i mean i i feel i'm going to come to a very similar conclusion let's go through the flashbacks a little bit more so uh, Randall did get these glasses and we have this introduction to the idea of the cabin, which turns out it's not like they went out and purchased a cabin. It turned out that this cabin was actually uh, like a friend of the office or something that he wasn't going to use. And so they went up and used it for a week. I'm, I'm guessing this is going to go ahead and extrapolate out to where they end up owning the cabin in some way.
0: I bet that's right
1: you know, good memories, whatnot. Um, And that Kevin, it it struck me that Kevin wasn't there when they were playing Monopoly and they were horsing around and um, Kevin wasn't there. I was a little like, where the heck's Kevin? But, you know, they explained that he had been at football camp and when he came back, he was kind of like already had a chip on his shoulder. Like you guys went on vacation without me, all this kind of stuff, which is kind of annoying because what were we all supposed to do? Like stand in a closet while you were at football camp? Like- I mean, you were gone having fun and it's not like, I mean, I understand the concept of like having a family vacation. Like that would be very upsetting, I guess. You know, uh, we've had times when we are getting like a little bit older when like I have a younger sibling, you have a younger sibling that our family still went on a family vacation when we were like a little bit too old to go with them anymore. Or we just made another choice and we didn't go on that family vacation.
0: Case in point. Uh-oh. Caroline's family goes to San Diego one year.
1: Is that where they went? I don't yeah, remember. they went
0: with her brother and not Caroline because I don't remember what Caroline was doing, was, but I think oh, she was at college.
1: Oh, no, you shut your lips. Or she I elected chosen, to do something with
0: my family.
1: I had chosen to spend my birthday in Nebraska.
0: Perfectly valid place to was spend your birthday.
1: trouble because, you know, why wasn't I spending it with my own parents? And we were not married yet or anything. We were still in college. So. so
0: we get back and and they get back and we listen to the report of what, in case you didn't hear, was the most perfect family vacation that has ever taken place on planet Earth. <laughs> They actually said that.
1: I believe Merv Griffin was involved, (laughs) if I remember correctly. Wasn't that right? That they like saw him at the pool or something. I was like, oh my God.
0: At least Merv Griffin.
1: Honestly, I mean, I I get it. And I, and I, I also think that again, the theme of This Is Us is the whole idea of if you could see it through other people's eyes. And now that we're parents, if one of our children opted to go have their birthday elsewhere, I could see where we might be a little prickly about it and be a little bit, you know, salty. And so I get it I get it I can see it from a parent point of view now at the time I was like this is lame <laughs> I didn't I mean I didn't get caught up in it I, I wasn't my feelings yeah, were not they
0: poured it on so they thick. did my
1: feelings were not hurt I don't I maintained a pretty good disposition despite which is pretty shocking honestly because that's a really great way to bait me about how you had an amazing time without <laughs> me so that would really really be a good way but on the flip side I mean as you got older and you were in college like your parents took your sister to Ireland and stuff like they they went on different trips that you were not included on right so i mean there there are there are times that and i'm not saying they were doing that to be rude or anything to you but at the same time it's just yeah and it's just the idea that they were having adventures as a family and you weren't there that there is like sort of this awkward portion to that and i mean of course these kids are way younger so it's a little different getting down to them you know getting out there playing a little a little football so that Kate can burn off some lbs.
0: Classic overcompensation mm-hmm. after getting yelled at by the wife,
1: right? First things first, like let's go run laps. <laughs> that will like really help. I mean, they could have just gone on a walk. Like, right. and she wasn't even playing. She was just supposed to like shadow Jack back and forth, right. back she, and forth, just was run. The,
0: she was the ball shagger. <laughs>
1: she's just supposed. No, she was just supposed to run. She's supposed to run alongside of him the whole time. Yeah, that would kind of blow. And he managed to keep the facade up for like what one pass. And was like, okay, here's the deal. We're running because uh, you eat too much and I'm supposed (laughs) to help you exercise. Okay, nice. So we glance over and you have Rebecca and Randall, little little bookworms that they are. Kate gets pissed and runs off. And so then Randall, you know, is the obvious target for Kevin. Instead of just coming over and saying, hey guys, what are you reading? Could we have a snack, mom? He is like a total jackass. And this is the part that I. I don't get. And like, we don't have this bone in our body. I would never, and I mean never, turn and throw a football at my mom and sibling, any sibling who is sitting there reading, not looking. Like, that's such jerk behavior. And I know you would not either. You would never do that.
0: I would throw something soft.
1: Oh, you're such bullshit. But not a football. I don't believe you would be like that. Not a,
0: well, I'm a, not a very good shot with uh The old canon. I just don't uh, think
1: you would be that aggressive. I think you would go over, maybe you would say something snotty, but I don't think you would, like, try to hurt them physically. Why
0: we needed this scene was he yells, hey, four eyes catch!" And in in screen time, this is just seconds after Rebecca said, don't pick on your brother about his glasses. Right. So we needed that. He's just going to break down the barriers about the glasses thing right away so that when the glasses go missing later, she has someone to blame. And really, I mean, the parenting handbook does say blame Kevin for for this.
1: It does. But it's also... Crap. I mean, it, it is crap that she doesn't, you know. I would have forced the situation with both kids. I would have been like, Randall and Kevin, come out here and let's look for these glasses. Like, everybody helps looking for the glasses, Randall included. Where the hell did Randall go? Like, where right. was he? Like, why wasn't he and like, just fumbling around because yeah. he couldn't
0: see where he was going?
1: <laughs> oh, like, why wasn't he responsible for where his glasses are? So it's a little shitty that like she just decided to just completely come down on Kevin. First and foremost, but like you said, foreseeable because he's got this like Dennis the Menace vibe about him. Definitely Dennis. So that is pretty much the entire sum up of that first part of the flashback that that really we focused a whole bunch of time on with the conclusion being that Kevin found. Those glasses underneath the bunk beds during the storm. He glances around. The rest of the kids are already gone from the bunk room. He goes to the bedroom to say, Hey mom, I totally found the glasses. I'm like a hero. And he's dismayed to see that his siblings are already in bed and it's like the four of them and there's no room for him. Thoughts yeah. on that scene? Did you feel bad for him? How did you feel?
0: No No. <laughs> no, I did not. I, I felt like he only laid on the floor because everyone else was in the room, but not because he needed to be with them. It wasn't his inclination to be with his mom right then. It was to go and show her that she's a jerk. You know what I mean? Okay.
1: Well, he woke up because of the storm. And, And I think he was legit, you know, spooked, I think. But the question mark would remain, would he have run off to his parents' room If he hadn't spotted the glasses or like you said, was it just a nanny nanny? Here's the stupid glasses. I didn't take them to begin with. You know, Uh, yeah, is that what it was? uh,
0: It it can be it can be those things kind of put together. But at no time did I did I buy into this, you know, nobody likes Kevin. So I have to sleep on the floor alone. I You know that I didn't know No, you you decided to sleep on the floor alone.
1: Well, there wasn't any room in the bed. But I would say this. It's no parent's freaking choice to have any kid come in in the night and sleep with them. So to sort of be pissed at like either parent for the fact that Randall and Kate had come and climbed in bed. It only goes to prove what what Becca says later about the idea of. You know, you were just always the one that that had more confidence and could like handle situations better than they could. They always seemed to be more clingy and need more help. And this was like a great illustration. Like they were the ones that I'm sure that they woke up the first thunderclap, you know, or the the very first sound of rain. They were already running in there. So it's like that was what she was saying. Like you are such a strong personality and such a good I don't know, like not afraid of things that that that's why I didn't think I had to protect you as much, you know. Mm hmm. Now, what do you think about that? How they kind of showed us at the very end of the episode, because we're just going to finish the flashback portion, that actually he didn't just sleep on the floor by himself.
0: That made me feel very justified in feeling like it is the way that he's remembering things is too conveniently colored to help where he is right now. You know what I mean?
1: Okay. I can say as a mom, there ain't no way I was sleeping on that floor. I would absolutely get up. But I would take you You'd him- wake up all creaky and yeah. Me. No, I would never sleep on that floor, <laughs> never sleep on that floor. But I would wake I would wake Kevin up and be like, let's go lay on the couch or let's go lay in your bed or something like that. Like I would go with him and I wouldn't expect him to sleep alone or anything like that. Because, I mean, obviously, you know, thunderstorms are scary and this is a place that they it's not their home or anything, you know? Yeah. So I understand. But there's ain't no way I'm sleeping on that floor floor no way follow
0: what kevin was trying to get out of us by showing us these pre these flashbacks which you pointed out are very much from his perspective like they were kind of chosen and oh, yeah. told from his point of view even though some of the shots take up before and after he's actually in the shot um they didn't for me did not achieve this great outpouring of sympathy or empathy for Uh, Kevin and what he's explaining in therapy. Did these scenes work for you?
1: You know, I, I am trying so hard to find Kevin's point of view and they always fall short. Like you said, like if they had never shown the scene of Rebecca actually getting down on the floor and sleeping on the floor next to him, then I would say, you know what? My heart goes out to Kevin. Look, he slept on the floor all alone, cold and scared and alone while the four of them slept in bed, cozy and warm. But that's not what happened. And so then it's like, it's like they undercut him for our empathy because how can I empathize with him? That's not what happened. Yes. So then it's like, oh no, I don't even know what the writers want us to feel about him because I mean, I do understand their, their larger, larger story here, which is like every person's point of view within a family, especially is going to have a very different collection of facts of what they believe was the reality of the situation. And that has been true this entire show. And what has been really cool and fun when they can go back and show you like a similar day like we just had with the three mm-hmm. in a row, or or even back when they would like show you just like a little twist on it and you'd be like, oh, that's what was actually happening. I understand that, but it didn't really work that well with these flashbacks for me because I didn't think there was enough of a twist You know, there wasn't enough of like a Kevin was screwed over. There wasn't they didn't say, oh, they didn't like just get back from the cabin when he got home from football camp and like he missed the whole thing. Yeah. You know, like stuff like that would have felt a little more screws to you if that had happened, but it didn't happen that way. Or if he had like if he was at like summer school and he had to like stay with a babysitter And he didn't get to go on vacation like that would have sucked, you know.
0: Right. He got to go to both football camp and and, vacation and vacation. So
1: and maybe we're looking at football camp as like something he would have wanted to be at. I'm just assuming it was a fun place for him to be. I'm assuming it wasn't something that he didn't want to go to or something. But you get what I mean. Like, it's Mm. not like he was slaving away and they were all having fun. It was like, you know, they all could have been signed up for different activities, you know. Which, again, was kind of weird. Why wasn't Kate and Randall signed up for any summer activities? It's a whole different world, people, right? Like, our kids are all scheduled to the hilt. And that was a good reminder that, like, you could just sit and do nothing in the summer, right? We could. Only Kevin went to football camp, which probably cost the Pearson some money.
0: Those camps are not free. So let's move into the modern timeline. Those
1: camps are not free.
0: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) focusing on Kevin's pity party hosted by Barbara, the therapist.
1: Oh, gosh. Well, let's talk for just a second about them gathering themselves up to head to this pity party. Um, so we have Randall's household, which is clearly spent the last month, uh, focused on making sure that Tess is not going to turn inside out. I think both because of the Kevin incident and obviously the Deja thing happened the same day as that Kevin incident, right? Like she left and went home the same day. Pretty close. I think it was the same day. And so that's the thing. Remember, Kevin was at the door and Randall's like, I can't really deal with you right now, man, because he was like gathering Deja stuff. Yeah. So it was all kind of happening at the same time. So they had both Deja leaving and this Kevin incident. So I I get it. Although I have to say this is as much screen time as I really as individual tests has really ever gotten, it seemed kind of out of place. I, I know that they were very concerned and I really like the way that they handled a lot of it. Like I thought that Sterling K. Brown's like falling on the floor and...
0: Yeah, with the brownies, right?
1: Yes, all that hilarious. And, you know, <laughs> that was funny. And I know that you really got a kick out of his whole banter with Beth.
0: Yeah, the uh, passive aggressive size... Uh... You mean you tried to hold them back now or whatever it is he said? But like he bit his lip.
1: Like he didn't say that whole sentence. I mean, we knew where he was going, but he like
0: yeah, held it in. It was good. It was good. Funny. Super Cause, funny. Because Beth was, you know, she wasn't being subtle about her feelings. And really this this whole entree into the show answered uh, the question I had going into the uh, the break, which was, is Randall going to be able to forgive Kevin? And I would have really rather seen some of the fire that would happen directly after this, this thing. I know we can jump Mm. ahead and, and, and just kind of learn, Oh, it's been a month later. He's been ordered into rehab, this kind of stuff. But now we're back to a very accepting Randall who. Uh, you know, to his credit is rationalizing that Kevin being there for him in the first season equals that he needed to be there for Kevin in in this season, which, you know, is, is good, but he's ready to go into this meetup very declawed and feeling like that's the best way to support Kevin.
1: So, okay. Interesting. So I, you're taking it as declawed. I'm taking it as he just plans to stifle his anger. Like he is really 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 mad and his claws are there for sure but he just plans on i guess declawed might be the right word but i mean he's planning on not showing this clause so i guess i wouldn't call that declawed as much as just he's
0: remember every time holding that he, them in every time that he says we're here to support you kevin it's because he's is he is saying that because yeah. he is feeling anger right. right then and he says it what three times yeah. before he finally
1: he definitely <laughs> has
0: enough Yes.
1: Yeah. So, and and then on the on the flip side of town, we have uh Kate and Toby getting themselves ready, and Kate's packing her healthy snacks, and Tober's is you know giving his feedback to to Kate, and he also has like a moment where he like bites his tongue um with Kate. I thought it was interesting to have almost like two back to back scenes of couples interacting, and both times the guy holds his tongue because. We think both those guys are like great guys. And so in a way, that makes me be like, hey, guys of America, pay attention. Do you see how they like caught themselves and didn't go there and didn't make the conversation nasty? That would be an amazing thing for all to bite their lip and just not say it.
0: Toby had a very uh, endearing character moment in this sequence when he he gets, I don't know if it's like snap peas or or uh, celery or something but he eats some vegetable a crunchy vegetable in this very like Bugs Bunny like tom 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 kind of way <laughs> and I thought that wasn't in the script but no. that's hilarious <laughs> that, that, I mean I mean I've uh, if I ate like that in front of you I, I'd get like pushed down on the ground for no. for mouth sounds but
1: Hey, I would laugh at first (laughs) that it was a funny and cute thing to do, especially if you were like grinning at me. It's the okay, to be clear, it's thoughtless, careless mouth sounds. It's not like if you were trying to make a joke, and you made a mouth sound in the process, I would laugh at your joke. I might say then no more mouth sounds. (laughs) Like that joke was funny, but no more mouth sounds. It's when you're like clinking and slurping. And, you know, that I just can't do. And I know many of our listeners agree with me. So I don't I don't feel like I'm I'm preaching to the choir here, so it's okay. Okay. It turns out, as Toby is preparing their apartment for departure, that he finds that there's a bunch of KFC-ish buckets right. in the trash. Might have been like Kentucky... uh might like Tennessee fried Tennessee chicken. Tennessee fried chicken, right. <laughs> yeah, something Arkansas like that. Arkansas fried chicken. Yeah, something like that. And so, yeah, so it turns out... Our girl Kate is not doing so well, and she is definitely coping and comforting herself, which was fully illustrated, fully illustrated with the flashback, but has been illustrated before that she takes comfort in food, as do millions of zillions of people. Like, she's not, she is representing a population, but she isn't representing a concept that is so specific to this character, you know? Sure. I mean... And I don't know if that's good or bad. Well, like, it's
0: it's one that it's, doesn't get on TV that much, you know. Um, true.
1: I guess that's true. But comfort food, the concept of comfort food. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's just—it's so common that it's, it's, it's eating when you're upset or something just doesn't seem. Maybe it's because, I mean, a glimpse into Mrs. Daly's life. Like, I'm a total comfort food eater. So I guess I don't think that it's so revealing of her character or something to say she was really upset about something bad happening and she ate some chicken.
0: What gave Tobe pause was obviously she must be not telling him about it. She's and in fact probably saying things like, I'm on a diet or I'm trying to eat healthy. I mean, where else would Toby, who we know Really despises the health food. Where would he get his little vegetable to chomp on? You unless know, she was making a batch,
1: right? Very, then, very true, very true. So yeah, I mean, I, I, it's got to be about more the deception and yeah. the and the hiding. Obviously, that that's just not good for them. And, and no reason, like he has proven to be a good support system. So if she was, even if she said to him, "I feel like I need to sit down and eat a bucket of chicken." Like Toby doesn't even seem like the guy who would say, no, I mean, he might be like, okay, let's do it. Right. And then Save once we do it. Yeah. Like <laughs> once we do it, let's talk through it while we eat our chicken. And then let's, you know, hopefully we don't have to keep eating every day, you know, not because he's so healed or anything. Cause he's already said like, he's not on a diet. He's not doing this stuff. And he's not, he's not like a slimmed down no. version of Toby or anything. Like he's still the same Toby. So, all right, we've got our whole crew and they're heading over to rehab. And I loved it how they set us up with Kate with the whole everyone needs to be prepared that Kevin is probably going to be like this bedraggled mess. Shell of him You know, himself. Yeah, fresh out of, you know, uh, rehab slash, you know, detoxing kind of mess. And then Kevin comes in like total like slapping backs, you know, Acting all like, hey, hey, my man, how are you? Given the whole that prayer bow. <laughs> gross. Yeah, Beth I identified it that.
0: pretty, pretty effectively with her Al Pacino actory, you know.
1: Oh, just gross, yeah. right? Gross. So what did you think about the fact that Babs, the uh the therapist, said, So we're not gonna need you three, Toby, Beth, and Miguel. Well,
0: uh, I would um suggest that she could have told them that earlier and they wouldn't have needed to buy plane tickets or whatever. Mm, uh, get
1: childcare.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. And like that,
1: Beth works full time, as does Toby, that, as I assume Miguel probably does.
0: So that's uh, very rude and inconvenient That because uh, uh, Kevin didn't, didn't need them there just to say hi in the waiting room and then never see them again.
1: Yeah, I know? agree with you. That was a very inconsiderate Move there.
0: I don't like Barbara.
1: Ooh, tell me. Okay, so I also had an instant disdain for old Barbara, but tell me, you also like really hated her.
0: Well, her her smug demeanor was enough, but the argument that she provokes in the room with uh, Kevin and his family it allowed Kevin to find a way to blame his problems on something that seemed deep, but I just don't believe it because it doesn't really address his feelings about his, his dad so much, which is something that he's been avoiding this entire time and just allows him to kind of just sidestep over and say, well, actually it's because I wasn't anyone's favorite, you know? And so I feel like she handed him like a get out of talking about your dad in any serious way, jail card and he took it up and was like you know what if I if I talk about this I don't have to talk about what I really am going through with with my dad's death or whatever
1: well and I would say there was even like additional kind of reasons given that weren't really explored as well like I mean so they initially brought up this concept of addiction and the entire thought was that it was because he was addicted and he's in a family of addicts he pointed at Kate and and said, you're addicted to food, essentially. And, you know, she was like, oh, I never, which is beyond confusing, right? Right. I mean, didn't her and Toby meet in Overeaters Anonymous?
0: Like the first episode.
1: So, I mean, and I know that that's where they met, but like in my head, I'm like thinking, wasn't it Overeaters Anonymous? Like it wasn't, I mean, it or was like-
0: Was Mike and Molly? What? <laughs> hmm.
1: But I mean, honestly, it was like, ah, She knows she has an addiction to food. Like, what the frig? You know? I don't know. I I find that kind of, like, puzzling. And the way that she responded, like, oh, what are you talking about? I just, it's just silly. But then the concept of him not, or the whole family not dealing with dad's death was also on the table. But then it all got boiled down to... Kevin wasn't loved enough. Now, which is it? Is it genetically he was an addict? The father was an addict. Now, he's genetically an addict. Your mother didn't prepare you that you were going to have the, the addiction gene. Therefore, you fell down this slippery rabbit hole. Or you had this traumatic event. You were grieving the loss of your father. You never talked about it. You've always carried it around with you. And now you're sad forever and ever and ever. And you went down this terrible rabbit hole. Or since birth, you've been... You've been neglected and abused, and everyone hates you, and you're the fifth wheel, and nobody wanted you around. Which was it that Barbara was even trying to get the family to understand or talk about?
0: It wasn't your second choice because that's probably the real issue. Probably. And she let him off of needing to explore that
1: about dad and what happened to yeah. dad. And so, but what the joke? Like, did you feel like Barbara brought up there was like too many issues that were brought up, like in such a small session that uh, didn't you su- even get explored you
0: sum it up like that it does make it seem like barbara just cast a pretty wide net and
1: kind of yeah I,
0: I didn't i didn't catch that watching it but like i said i was left with this overall feeling of she let him off she gave him an easy out even though it, that seemed hard you know but it wasn't as hard as needing to deal with how he feels about his
1: dad. Well, you're 100% right that definitely having the addiction gene, and and certainly I believe that, the, that addiction runs in families, and I believe that there is a genetic predisposition to things. I don't think that that stuff really came out as young as they would have been. You know, did you talk to your kids when they were so young? I don't think people were talking about that. I feel like that kind of talk came out when we were like in our later twenties or something, which would have been maybe like twenty years ago or something. I just I don't think it was quite at the right point in time where research was like common enough that people were starting to talk about it running in families and genetics and that you would have had a conversation with your kids about it in the same way. Well and
0: Barbara throwing shade over Rebecca. And Rebecca's defense of of I'm not gonna say anything bad about Jack to them. Eat me, you know That worked for me. You know, that's a pretty good defense. You know, if I die, don't feel compelled to go tell the kids everything wrong about me.
1: Oh, well, of course not. <laughs> but and that's the thing, though. I mean, naturally, when people pass away, their positive traits rise to the surface and their negative traits fall away and you kind of forget about the anything negative. And so, you know, Jack was already a pretty great guy by most people's standards. And nobody really held the fact that the addiction situation they didn't hold it against him it was more like i mean he was working through it what was to talk about with the kids they saw him working through it i mean obviously the the second time that he was dealing with it kevin knew kevin said can you put your a books away like everyone was fully aware of how complex it was how much he was struggling with it how could it be like no addiction was like not a topic in our household when his books and stuff were on the kitchen table yeah you know like i don't know it seems like no it was kind of Maybe Kevin would have had to draw some conclusions on his own, like addiction's a bad path. You probably don't want to well, dabble if, in anything. If you
0: recall that most recent one that depicts teenage Kevin being a dick mm-hmm. and and his basically trying to drive his dad to drink, It's even though it was confrontational, Jack did say, is there something you want to say to me that's, you know, very, you know, chest-puffed-out kind of way of, of addressing your, your smart-ass kid, but the door was open <laughs> if he had something to say and and try to address with, with his feelings. That's guy talk for this is the time or shut the fuck up. You know,
1: mm-hmm. well, and from like a mom point of view, I thought I, I agree that it was like super shitty for Barbara to like turn the table on Rebecca and be like, you know, didn't you teach of the of the horrors of addiction? Like it kind of was like, bitch, it was like our household. I mean, obviously, they saw their father struggling with this. You know, we not why we didn't sit down and have a candid conversation about it, perhaps, but. But I bet they even did in some regard, because again, do we think that just one day they came home and they said, can you put the ah uh, books away? No, they called it AA. They knew <laughs> what it was. Right. Right. I mean, it wasn't they, there wasn't like confusion of what Jack was going through. So I kind of felt like Rebecca wasn't even giving their family enough credit that like we were dealing with it out in the open. You know, if there were questions about addiction, if there was questions about, you know, our our family concerns about other stuff. Like there was an open dialogue in some way about that. Was it perfect? I'm sure not, but oh my God, they were living it, you know, it wasn't like it had resolved itself and then they could talk about it, you know?
0: Yeah. I thought the way that Randall, when he did decide, you know what? Um, nothing's to be gained by me staying quiet.
1: Well, it was going after mom. Um,
0: but I think he was right on the money. I think, I think all the stuff that he said about Kevin needing attention and not representing their upbringing in in a very objective fashion i think that that was all right on randall uh randall did get the opportunity to 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 live the same life and he he was on the on the receiving end of of kevin's outbursts most of the time you know what i mean
1: mhm You know, it's interesting to me about the whole concept of what Randall was bringing up this idea of like needing the spotlight and being addicted to the attention. You know, certainly in our own household, we don't have an individual kid who craves that attention, who has to be in the spotlight.
0: No, they want zero attention from us. Well, at this
1: point, because they're teenagers, that's true. But even growing up, nobody like nobody like stood up on the tabletop and like screamed. Look at me like, you know, I mean, it's just we everybody kind of was more cohesive than that. However, we have many families that we have seen where one or two or multiple kids in a family are like attention whores. Like if I don't get attention, I cannot breathe. Like I can't breathe. Everyone has to be looking at me. Everyone has to be participating in what I'm doing, what I say matters and all that kind of stuff. I don't know how you deal with that, though. Like, I don't know. Do you feed into that? Do you push away from that? Do you try to balance that? I don't know. What do you do? Like, if Kevin was that kid, I'd like to think that they thought he needs more personal attention. Let's sign him up with this with this great football camp where he's going to get a ton of individual attention and really feel like he it's all about Kevin that week. I would like to think that they scrimped their money together and they said, I know this kid has a need for this. Let's let's try to feed it by doing this, you know,
0: in a family where you have three kids that are all the exact same developmental level or age kind of sucks. But we always or at least I always um, likened the situation to the uh, spinning plates trick in the Chinese circus, you know. You got to go spin one plate for a while, let it go and then run and go get it. Go keep another plate spinning. You know, you don't get to shower Kevin 24 hours a day in attention. You get to do what you said. You get to give him his football. Yeah.
1: So that you can then then it's like his plate spinning elsewhere. And then you can like run over here and give these other two kids attention. You know, once that's probably exactly when I would make the appointment to go get glasses You know, was like, because now I need to, because I need to go make all the medical appointments that any other kid needs while this one's gone. You know, just like the normal rotation of kids. I don't know. Kevin's a difficult, a difficult kid to figure out. Because it's not like the other two kids aren't needy in their own ways. You know?
0: Kinda. I mean, when he threw it back to Randall and... And tried to defend himself by pointing out some of the crazy shit that Randall does, at least from his perspective it is, because his perspective is immature and uninformed. All that stuff, you can look at it like, well, uh, he brought this sick man into his house and he brought a stranger girl into his house, whatever. But at the end of the day, isn't he trying to help people and try try to improve things? Right. And you know, trying to, he wanted to improve his relationship with his father and he couldn't just let him die alone. And he wants to improve a life that he doesn't have any responsibility for whatsoever, but he still wants to try. Like, how is, how, how is throwing that back at him an effective defense? You know what I mean?
1: You know, I don't know. I really don't know. And I, I think that the whole concept of like, I mean, I guess you could look at kids needing attention for different things. Like, so you could look at it like a negative thing. Like, look at me, look at me and people being exasperated with it. But like in Randall's case, like he, he was a genius. Well, he needed specialized attention. Then they paid for him to go to a different school. He went to a, a gifted school. He needed them to go to find that school and look for that school. And I mean, a lot of it, a lot of extra time was spent Because of that, you know, or his anxiety or, or, you know, Kate with her, with her eating issues. There's a lot of extra time and extra planning that goes into that. But I don't think that Kevin was, was devoid of those things. Like, I mean, he, he had a football career, which his father was clearly very interested in, you know, throwing the football with him out there or him just being a natural athlete or whatever. They obviously fed into that, you know, they they never were like, well, we're inside reading Kevin's outside throwing the ball against the wall. You know, <laughs> I mean, they were out They were all outside watching them throw the ball around, you know, yeah. and they've shown in previous episodes of them having like a family football game. And I don't know. That's the part that's sort of like, Kevin, I don't know how you're throwing stones at anybody because all of you sort of had your own stuff that needed attention and you did get attention, you know.
0: So then that all leads to my final problem with this episode, which was that meeting or session or whatever you call them was highly unresolved.
1: Oh, my God. So unresolved.
0: But then we have this park bench scene, which all of a sudden they're able to talk to each other and talk about apologizing again for the test car thing and and being able to address each other and. And Randall even apologizing for not being there for Kevin the same way that Kevin had been there for him. It felt like, I mean, it was nice to see them together and friendly, but you don't get that right after that, that therapy session. You know what I mean? No,
1: I think people would be really, really angry. And so I don't know if that was just like a matter of like, well, timing wise for the rest of this season, like we need some of this stuff to wrap up. I mean, they did jump us a month. Um, you know, and so we, we that's a, how
0: it felt that they needed it to wrap they up. They did
1: need it to wrap so up. So they
0: wrapped it up.
1: <laughs> well, and <laughs> even know? the way that they really put like too fine a point on some of it, like, okay, so we had two big analogies that were like offered up during that bench scene. We had Randall saying, I wish that we were all, uh, had our childhood recorded like the, like the show boyhood, like the movie boyhood. And, you know, we all had an opportunity to, to see our childhood. And at any point in time, we could just say, show me the tape. And we would get to to go back to the, you know, the video and see what was going on. I have like two small issues with this. One, I don't think for one second that Kate was so obtuse to sports. Uh, their family played for like a long time and then her parents watched football every weekend. I don't believe she wouldn't have heard a sportscaster's name. And I don't believe that Kevin wouldn't have known that sportscaster either. right? So that was kind of like bogus. Secondarily, the whole idea that we have reality TV now, quote unquote, reality TV, meaning we are actually very privy to the idea of having a camera follow someone around. And one thing that we all know, even when you watch those like, like they have those like 24 hour Big Brother uh, after dark kind of things, is that Depending on where the camera is in the house at the time, it can even color what the viewer is then seeing. So, even like going to the tape, it's still a perceived reality. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there isn't this like a clean, completely objective a uh, way to go back and look at at an, an event that people are not going to color it with their own information. And that, unfortunately, even the way things are taped, even the way things are recorded from different angles and different whatever, um, This Is Us is a good example because they use it on us to draw emotion, depending on if they get right up in close-ups or if they're shooting it from far away or whatever they're doing. Like, they manipulate us. So... It could easily be, you know, uh, impossible to go back with any type of neutral viewing of your childhood. And you couldn't be in everybody's head. So even if you sat there and watched the tape, you wouldn't know what Rebecca was thinking or Jack was thinking or whatever. Even if you were watching the videotape, you can't be in their heads. Right. You know, so I don't even know. I thought that it was like a, it was an OK thing, but not great. Then we had to get into like, again, when they did say this was the Randall show a little bit. This was like the Randall bench. You no. Know? Because then he went into the entire story of getting his glasses and the better machine. Mm -hmm. What did you think about this whole metaphor of the better machine and the idea of people seeing it through different lenses? Did we need to do this again?
0: I already understood that that's what they were talking about the whole time, you know? So it felt...
1: Like redundant, right? Unneeded. Yeah.
0: So... Yeah, I mean, it just felt like there were several elements of this episode that were recycling stuff and not giving us new stuff. And so that was another, it was a poetic way to put it, but it wasn't necessary either.
1: Right. I definitely did not feel like that anything having to do with the core Pearsons moved us forward in anything in the story or anything in how I felt about any of their individual characters. I didn't feel any more empathetic towards Kevin. I felt like this childhood was what it was, but we've already seen that. I didn't feel any differently about Kate and her weight or the things that she was challenged with. It's been the same the whole time. I didn't feel any differently about Randall and the things that he had strengths with and the things that he was going to have difficulty with. Like it was all the same. And Rebecca, same, 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 you know? Sure. So the only thing that I thought that was somewhat interesting that we didn't really talk about about that therapy scene was when she said that randall was just easier Mm what do you feel about that
0: that is something that kevin can't understand um because he is not a parent and he looks at the childhood through these we'll call them brown colored glasses Mm -hmm. uh poop smeared yes so he sees it this way where where everybody hated kevin and he can't see that Randall was instantly somehow this more mature child that did like to do some of the same stuff as his mom, like read at a picnic table while you're camping, you know? No one forced that book into his hands, you know? It just works. And so you end up spending more time because you're doing the same kinds of things. So yeah, I mean... We have three kids that are, that are the same age, and it's not a matter of which one you love more, but sometimes it can come down to which one do you have that activity in common with.
1: Right. Or just an easier rapport in a given situation. And sure. it's all different. It's all completely different. And it can change day to day even for us. You know, one kid can certainly be way easier on one day than another, you know? Well
0: And it can mature, which, you know, yes. like with your own mom, I met you in high school. You described your mom as a beast.
1: Oh, my God. You bring this up all the time. And
0: now your mom. Like one
1: time, one freaking conversation, y'all. I'm practically, only just
0: saying. Practically your best friend. Right. Right,
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And she's uh like 100% the most supportive human on the planet to not just me, but to Paul and, and everybody she's around. So for sure, I but think.
0: The point is you let it mature. You didn't. Yes. You didn't. Whatever it was that made her a beast to that one day. When you were seventeen, <laughs> it didn't carry forward, and it's nothing you have a, a grudge about, and it's nothing you don't even remember. Probably you.
1: Oh no, I remember, but it's the thing is just that I think I I do understand the idea of an easier relationship. Some kids, generally speaking, are just they're just easier, and I can say that from a teacher point of view. It doesn't have to do necessarily with even how good they do in school or at, as good that they do in a given situation it's like their actual personality like sometimes they can just be easier to get along with you know like anybody you have like a laid-back person you have a little bit more anal person whatever like there's there's just personalities that you can click with that includes your kids i mean they're actual people so you're you're allowed to like click a little bit more with one. Doesn't mean you love them more, you know? Yeah. It's like if you walked up to a bus stop and there were 10 people and one person you just sort of were drawn to for whatever, you don't love that person, you know? And you certainly don't love them more than anyone else. But it's like, you just click, you find something in common. Okay, so then the concept of this entire foursome was really dissected by what I'm gonna call the outlaws. And that's gonna be Toby, Beth, And Miguel, so they had this whole day drinking side plot. What do you feel about the fact that they pulled them out and that we actually got to see what they were up to when they were talking about?
0: You know, having watched the episode twice, it was it was interesting because I hadn't seen a whole lot of Miguel before. So that he is kind of like the torchbearer of the memory of Jack and the defender of Jack. Is is interesting because like he points out, he, he married his best friend's wife, mm-hmm. you know, Jack's wife, to be specific. Right. Uh so the fact that he also has a no-fly zone when it comes to talking about Jack is is interesting.
1: So since Oprah was just on um the Golden Globes, I was been inspired to dig out old Oprah's. And I was watching this one with Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. And if you guys don't know, there's like a Hollywood scandal from long ago. Debbie Reynolds and Eddie Fisher were married. And then Mike Todd and Elizabeth Taylor were married. And And they
0: were like neighbors, right?
1: uh, They were like the foursome, like the best friends. So, I mean, this was Hollywood. Had nothing to do with being neighbors. They like jet set it around. They were together like all the time. They were each other's best men, matrons of honors, like all that kind of stuff. But what happened in that situation was that most people just know that Eddie Fisher got with Elizabeth Taylor. And that's very scandalous. But what actually happened was that Mike Todd... Elizabeth Taylor's husband died in a very tragic plane crash. Elizabeth Taylor had an infant at the time. Eddie Fisher came just like Miguel would and tried to help Elizabeth, not just with like the baby, but just like consoling her talking about Mike, helping her get through it. Well, well, one thing led to another. And as Carrie Fisher said, he started consoling her with his penis. And, <laughs> you know, they ended up having this affair. Sometimes and that's
0: the only way to I, console.
1: Sometimes. So they end up getting together. Now, after the fact, even from Debbie Reynolds' point of view, who she like forgave them and everything, the whole deal is that between... Eddie Fisher's best friendship with Mike and Elizabeth Taylor's love for Mike and the fact that everyone agreed that Mike was this amazing Jack-ish kind of guy that died in this tragic, unforeseen, too young kind of way that Eddie and Elizabeth would spend their entire time together reliving times with Mike and just keeping him alive by the two of them talking about him and reminiscing and bringing up all these different times they had with him. It felt very real and very understandable for why Miguel and Rebecca would be like magnets to one another because they would have so many conversations that would be so unique to only them. Miguel could bring in these conversations and jokes that they had at the bar together, you know, when Rebecca and Jack were just dating or stuff that happened from you know, from work or something that Rebecca would have never heard and would have been like craving to get just a little bit more of Jack, you know, Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Like Rebecca would say, well, this is something that he did on this family vacation. And Miguel would be like, oh, my God, that's so Jack. And, you know, they could like revel in that together. And so I think we see it in real life all the time. We I know people who actually have married people who knew The previous spouse, you know, at first, maybe that can seem kind of awkward and stuff. I can say in my in my own personal life over time, it sort of was like, oh, no, this like makes sense. But at first, you know, gives you a little bit like, oh, this feels a little weird. And scenes from next week certainly imply that when Kevin asked, like, were you in love with my mom when my dad was still alive? There's always that sort of like, was there ever anything before? But Mm I feel like, you know, Rebecca and Jack were were solid. So I want to feel like that there's no way anything else could have possibly happened. But the no-fly zone discussion of Miguel was, like, so funny. And, like, man, doesn't every family have, like, a no-fly zone? Sure.
0: We can't talk about it because it's no-fly zone. There's nothing
1: to say. The dailies and (laughs) constances have nothing to say about no-fly zones. But, I mean, we all have them. I mean, I think that's why what makes Thanksgivings and Christmases and those, like, get-togethers especially potentially explosive because— Everybody is dancing the dance of the no-fly zones, right? Yeah.
0: And sometimes the uh, aunt and uncle come in or have a little, little vino and then they send their bombers oh. <laughs> over because they don't honor the no-fly zone.
1: Right. Or it could be like some third outside party, you know, who like really isn't, they're not invested in the family, right? So then they just like send a couple grenades in <laughs> that right. causes some problems
0: like my uncle tim at my grandmother's wake oh remember that what his speech started out with well she wasn't the best mom
1: yeah that was just not <laughs> you just don't say that i would say that that's like you know what i would say that's a human no-fly zone that like you don't kind of be nasty about anybody uh, she
0: wasn't the best at mom.
1: a funeral it's just not right not right so what did you think about Toby and Beth's interactions? I loved when they were like, how drunk is Miguel? <laughs> was
0: it was so interesting cute. to see that they they paired up because um, they would have had just cordial, fleeting interactions so far, you know.
1: Right. Family, family get togethers. That's but, it.
0: But since they're on different coasts, mm-hmm. you know, it's like
1: three, Very few. two or
0: three times, right. you know, because their calendars has been the same as our calendar pretty mm-hmm. much. And so it's, uh, you know, Beth definitely seemed to let down all defenses in order to interact with these two. And Toby's just easygoing, you know? Beth, I don't, I would never say that Beth is easygoing. Uh, oh, really? No.
1: Hmm.
0: No. But, you I know, she's
1: sassy. And I feel like if you're sassy. Oh, I like
0: her. And she it's hard is to, It's sassy, hard to be but, like
1: easygoing and sassy because I feel like you have to be like on point to be sassy. And, and if you're on if guard. You're, well, maybe, but you have to, if you're going to be sassy, like, I feel like you have to be, like, aware and attentive to, like, what's going on. In order to be laid back, you have kind of have to, like, let stuff go all the time. And it's like, I don't know if you can be both, you know? No one says they're so sassy and laid back. You know, it's like, you're either sassy and you're over here sort of, like, energetic or you're laid back and you're over here like, whatever.
0: But mesh they mesh and, they, do. and uh, they talk frankly as as outlaws might uh, about the, the what the, the thing that draws them together which in this case is the Pearson family
1: what did you feel about this uh, this really interestingly timed Star Wars drop?
0: Well, it made me like Toby a little more because I like Star Wars and he likes Star Wars. So that's a good connection.
1: But it was so obvious. I mean, I like looked at you and I was like, okay, I know this is NBC and not ABC and ABC owns Disney, but go do the research and figure out where's the money. How follow the trail for me, because there ain't no way that they're just going to drop a Star Wars reference in here.
0: Here's the connection. And it's tenuous, but it's there. Did you know that NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, they are two things at once? They are both a channel that shows shows, but they are also a studio that creates shows. And they don't all create, they're all of their own shows. So you may it's get.
1: So weird, right?
0: Yeah. So you'll get a Warner Brothers show on another network. You'll get, in this case, a Fox show on NBC. OK,
1: so it's like actually filmed at Fox Studios
0: or some Fox subsidiary or right. associate or whatever. But yes, essentially, and then, but right.
1: actually just like put out there to the world through NBC.
0: Right. And so here's the tenuous connection is that even though George Lucas sold Lucasfilm to Disney five years ago or whenever he did, because of the way the deal was structured with 20th Century Fox films. When he needed to make Star Wars, the original Star Wars, A New Hope, they own the dis- distribution rights to that forever. And he, he structured the deal so that he had sequel rights and all that kind of stuff. But 20th Century Fox structured their end of it to be like, well, okay, but we get to say when this movie's distributed and how. At least this one, you know, and so they do. So that's the tenuous connection is that Fox still owns some piece of Star Wars.
1: So there you go, folks. Follow the money. They never just accidentally drop in a big, big name like that without their getting to a little, a little back scratchy, something yeah. there, right? Yeah.
0: The preview suggests that we are going to hear a lot more from Miguel next week. Um, Next week's episode looks somewhat more compelling than this. This week's ep- episode wound up being a
1: little bit for for some reason. I get the vibe that Kevin may be living with Rebecca and Miguel. Like it seemed like he came downstairs in a way that seemed like maybe he was living in their house.
0: Well, he's he's highly transient. I, has he owned a place yet?
1: I'm not. Well, yes, originally. Well, I mean, he probably rented a place out in California, but. I mean, yeah, no, I'm sure he was just like a renter. And you're right. He did just kind of crash on couches. And Randall, he would have been person non grado right now. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And he actually stayed at Kate and Toby's when he was recovering from the knee. So I guess Rebecca's due for a house guest, right? Yeah. So it looks like he's going to spend this time being a little awkward and asking Miguel. The hard
0: questions.
1: <laughs> right. More about, you know, his dad and what was going on. Now, maybe this is the... The self-discovery for Kevin. Like he said, like he kind of wished he remembered more about what happened in their life and stuff. And maybe that's factual. Maybe he really doesn't remember his childhood very well. And so maybe talking to Miguel is a way to talk about his dad a little bit. Who knows? But do you think he's just prying into Miguel's relationship with Or it's with just Rebecca? a way to
0: shit on Miguel.
1: no, oh, that's so mean. Poor Miguel. Mean. Okay, so the other little flashes we got... When Kate was standing outside a car and this woman kind of walks by, I have the heebie jeebs that that woman is the woman that Kevin will have cheated on Sophie with. Because right previous to that, the little clip that they gave us, it was Jack saying, you've got to own your choices, boys. You got to like make your choices and own it, something like that. To me, then it just seemed very much like we're going to see some bad choices, (laughs) you know, or at least choices.
0: Well, they have shown us that they are willing to flash back to earlier stages in their own adulthood, which is when that event would have taken place.
1: That's my best guess that that's what that little tiny clip and who that woman would be. I haven't done any IMDb research, so if I'm like flat ass wrong, you guys, I'm blaming the painkillers, but I'm just saying, I, I, what I saw on the screen and the way that kid's face looked and the comment of Jack. That's where the triangle is leading me to, to put the See, dots I, together.
0: I thought it was Sophie. And I thought, it, I thought the scene might have been Kate doing what she does. Appealing on behalf of uh, Kevin Ooh. to be like, he didn't know what he was doing. He was on drugs. Now he's not on drugs. Will you think about taking him So back? you're
1: thinking this is like modern day.
0: Yeah.
1: Intrigue. Okay. Intrigue, intrigue. Okay, so what else what what else were the other scenes?
0: Uh there was a random oh, bit with uh yeah, Beth kinda is, getting called out for being kind of scatterbrained lately, I guess. Yeah.
1: It seems like maybe he's getting uh he's going through William's stuff is what it looked like, and he came across a poem and it kind of sucked him back into thinking about William and thinking about that life and he can be very like OCD and very like checked out when he is sort of being compulsive about something else and you know right now it seems like it's going to float back over to William which is kind of a bummer
0: I mean that's a lot of unfinished business right I mean I, I know that he got to spend some time with him but overall there's a lifetime of, of memories that he probably wanted to make and has to reconcile with with not having them you know so I'm looking forward to next week. Um, This episode was, you know, it had its moments, but all in all, I felt uh, let down by this episode. But I'm I'm confident the show will get right back on track next week.
1: I, I would not say that I was let down because I love every episode that we get. I love spending time with the Pearsons. I would say that I didn't feel like we got any fresh material to really work with. With the exception of that little nib of our scenes for next week, I just really didn't feel like there was anything new about our characters. I didn't really learn anything new. I mean, I guess you could be like, oh, we figured out when about when Randall got his glasses and it
0: has an eating disorder.
1: Right. And about when the cabin came into play. But other than that, I mean, I just I didn't feel like it was that fresh. And so I, I was expecting kind of a big kapow coming back after such a long break. I really wanted some, like, earth-shattering information. But maybe they felt like they had to have a little bit more of, like, a quieter kind of, I don't know, ruminating kind of episode. Because they keep telling us over and over, we absolutely will find out what happened to Jack. So then... Episodes have got to get grittier moving forward in order for us to really find out what's happened. So I really look forward to it. I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to Daily Review. You can hit us up on Twitter at Daily Review, D-A-L-E-Y, review, or on Facebook, or on our website.
0: Or with our friends, somanyshows.com. Thanks a lot. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software, our website, dailyreview.com that's d-a-l-e-y review.com facebook or twitter or wherever you find us please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show
1: thanks for listening pot people thanks for listening to my mom and dad you don't have to go home but you can't stay here just go home folks